So we're in this series on the Beatitudes, and we're looking at the blessed R's that Jesus gives us. And today we come to this fifth Beatitude. And this Beatitude has a blessing as well. And this Beatitude is about mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be what? Shown mercy. Anybody here today need any mercy? Is there anybody in your life right now that you know that needs some mercy from you, that needs that refreshment? You know, the word beatitude, remember, is abundant blessings. It's not just a blessing, but it's an overabundance of blessings. And that should not surprise us coming from God, because God always does things abundantly more. But these blessings are given to those who will faithfully follow after Jesus and put them into their life. And they're, they're building blocks. They're all connected together. And we learn that when we acknowledge that we're poor in spirit, that we need God. That's the first one, the poor in spirit. And then you see the next one, if you look at the next slide, connection is that there comes a point in our life when we follow Jesus that we realize that we need to mourn, confess, repent of our sins, and that we'll be comforted by God when we do that. That we want to do God's will, submit to His will, and not our own will to come under God's control. So it requires meekness, humility. And when we do that, we become God, part of God's family. We become inheritors in His family, co-heirs with Christ. Amen. And then it develops within us this hunger and this desire, this thirst for righteousness, to do the things of God. And God promises us that we'll be filled. And what that looks like in our life is we begin to show more and more mercy. We become purer in heart. We desire to be peacemakers. And we come to an understanding and expectation that as Jesus lived out all those things perfectly, he was persecuted. Jesus tells us that we will also be persecuted for that, but our reward is in heaven. So all these are connected, and, and you see these in this blessing today. It's a tough one, all right? But it says, blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's, it's the only beatitude that you have where you're already doing something and you get more of it. Right? If you're poor in spirit, you get the kingdom of heaven. If you're hungry and thirsty, you're what? You're filled. If you're a peacemaker, you are called a child of God. But when you're showing mercy, what do you receive? you receive more mercy. And the reason for that is mercy is the fuel that gets us through every day. We need more and more fuel. That's why the mercies of the Lord are new every morning, right? We need it. Because mercy is involved with the idea of helping. What Lynn read to us earlier, although it didn't use the word mercy, it used the word help. Mercy is more than just feeling compassion or feeling sympathy or feeling sorry for someone's misery. Mercy is the idea of it moving you to action, isn't it? It's the idea that you're going to not only feel something, but you're going to do something about it. Uh, someone wrote that mercy is giving food to the hungry, uh, comforting those who are grieving, love to the rejected, forgiveness to the offender, friendship to the lonely. Therefore, it's one of the highest virtues you can imagine. Now, we all know we are to be merciful because what is God? God is merciful, right? He is the source of all mercy. He is the great merciful one. There are just too many scriptures in the Bible 
too many references to even put in this lesson today about that, so I want to focus on two for a moment from the New Testament that show us what it means for God to show his true nature of mercy towards us. And it's exactly what we just talked about. His mercy is love in action. It's feeling the, the need of that person and then acting up on it. For example, in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, notice what Paul calls God. It's a prayer. Blessed be the God of our Lord, or the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is this God who is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, he's the Father of what? See, mercies, and then here's the action. And of the God of what? All comfort. God is the Father of mercies. He's the source of mercy. It's out of that mercy he acts, and he provides what? Comfort. He provides comfort. So the way that God comforts us is the way we're to comfort others. And the way that God shows mercy towards us is the way that we're supposed to show mercy towards others. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter there, 2 Corinthians, about showing mercy. Now go to Titus chapter 3, verse 5. And once again, notice God's mercy in action. When the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards mankind appeared, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but how? See, according to his, what? Mercy he saved us. It's according to his mercy he saved us. What is that mercy, that help that we need? We need Jesus. We need his salvation. And so he saves us through Jesus Christ. And that stems out of God's love and kindness for you. See it? That this action, this mercy of giving us Jesus was not sparked by and motivated by how good we are. That we deserve to have this in our life because of what we're doing in our works of action. Rather, it was when we were in a desperate state, right? In our worst condition. Think of the beautiful illustration Patrick gave earlier about the t-shirts wearing them with all the sins that marred our life, you know. It was Jesus who took that to the cross to wash away my sins, right? This is the beauty here. That was the mercy and the kindness of God. Not only looking upon us and seeing our sin, but to do something about it. And out of his mercy, out of his kindness, he saved us through Jesus Christ. Now, you know how we should respond to that? That should build in every one of us the great desire to be the most merciful person who ever lived on this planet. I've often told you, if I could treat people the way I treat my family, I would be a great guy. There's just something about the kids and the grandkids and the wife and the family. You do your best for them, don't you? You pour your life into them because you want what's best for them. It motivates you to want to be a merciful person, doesn't it? If we would have that same attitude towards a church family and towards the people in our life, we would all be better people, wouldn't we? And, and this is what God is trying to do, I think, in this motivation of being merciful, 
so you can show more mercy, or you'll be given mercy when you show mercy. It's our awareness and the gratitude for God's mercy that motivates us to be merciful towards others. When God was speaking to his people of Israel, he commanded them to show mercy and care for non-Jewish people. Did you know that? When he was also speaking to his people in his law, he told them to show mercy and care towards the poor. When they planted their crops and harvest time came, they were to not they were to leave the outward boundary of the crops and the fields alone so the poor could harvest them. God said to Israel, be merciful and show uh, love and mercy and care towards the orphan and the widow and do not oppress them. Do not oppress them. Isn't that beautiful? The mercy of God is built in to what we call religion, right? Now you go to James chapter 1 verse 21. Or James chapter 1 verse 27. What is pure religion? See, what is it? Pure religion that is pure and undefiled before God. The Father is this. To do what? Visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. See, we often think of religion as a set of rules to keep, don't we? If I can just keep these rules, just do these commandments, then I will have the religion that God wants me to have. But pure religion is about imitating God, isn't it? Are you with me? And that imitation of God is that he wants us to be merciful towards others. Now, obviously, Jesus manifested mercy, didn't he? I mean, his whole ministry was about, was about mercy. Mercy to the despised, to the rejected, to the poor, to the downtrodden. His message was one of mercy. He said, I have come to proclaim the Lord's favor. And everything about Jesus, when you look at his life, wherever you cut it in the Gospels, it's about mercy, isn't it? The mercy to save us from our sins. He called people to repentance. He called them to turn from their sin and to follow him and find salvation in him. And he calls us to do the same thing, doesn't he? Why do I show mercy to someone else? Because they need help. Because they're struggling. And maybe they're struggling with a sin as well. And our goal when someone is in sin is to give them mercy, not judgment. You will not bring a person back to God by judging them. But you got a chance if you show them mercy. We're to lead them with mercy. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't recognize that they may have an immaturity, right? Or there may be a sin in their life. Or there's something that's wrong in their life. Mercy is giving them the right kind of help. Mercy is having the right attitude towards them. Mercy always desires to lead them into the right path they need to be in, right? And so sometimes that requires correction and the right words and the right attitudes, but it's never words of judgment. It's always bathed in mercy. The goal, the aim is to lead them back into holiness, to lead them to God so that they can experience the healing that God has to offer them. Amen? Right? Is there anyone in your life right now that you're kind of seeing as I'm talking about that in terms of offering that mercy? Do you remember this parable of the unmerciful servant? This is a painful one, isn't it? 
It's found in Matthew chapter 18. And here in this parable of the two debtors, the unfaithful servant, there is this servant that owes an impossible amount of debt. I have no idea how he got there unless he was selling short all day long and didn't have the money. I don't know. He's just impossible debt. He could never repay it back in seven lifetimes. And the, he goes before the king and he's prepared to face the judgment and he pleads before the king for mercy. He cannot pay it back. He desires to have mercy. And he says, in fact, a the stupidest thing you can say, I'll pay it back to you one of these days, knowing full well he can never, ever pay it back, right? But please have mercy on me. I'll, I'll just pay it back to you. You know what it says in that parable? The king had mercy on him, canceled his debt, and set him free. Now, the servant goes out. Don't you know he's just full of joy? I mean, full of joy of what's taking place here. He goes out and he he goes to the first place he can think of, to a person who owes him a little bit of money. And you know how the story's going to go. I've been forgiven of so much. I'm going to go up to you who owes me just a little bit and say, hey, I just want to cancel your debt. The king was so gracious to me and so merciful that of something I can never pay back, I'm just going to, I want to let you know, I'm releasing you. That's where you think the story's going to go. This servant who had had so much mercy put up on him finds that person who owes him just a little bit and he throws that person in jail until he can pay it back. Now when others see this, and they always do, when others see how that servant had shown, been shown so much mercy is now an unmerciful servant, when they see that they are so outraged they go to the king and tell the king what has transpired. And the king says to the man when he's brought before him, to this unmerciful servant, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had upon you? Right? So instead of mercy now, he receives the judgment. Now, none of us think that we're that unmerciful servant in that story, do we? We look upon that and we say, how in the world could anyone ever act that way? I've done that, but I also realize I've done that. I have acted that way. When I think about God being the source of mercy, when I think about all those things, God is rich in mercy, it tells me in Ephesians 2. God is great in his mercy in Psalm 103. God's mercy is everlasting. It's unending in Psalm 103, verse 17 again. That even to the sinful and to rebellion, God will give us our undeserved mercy. And that God says that I can go to his throne of grace and receive the mercy that I need in my time of need. This is the king who comes to me and says, your impossible debt that you could never pay back, I canceled it. You are released. You are free. And what do I do Monday through Friday, or sometimes Saturday? <laughs> what do I do? I will go out there and too many times act like that unmerciful servant. How inconsiderate was that person to me? 
That person has offended me so much. I'm so angry at what they've done. Totally oblivious to the fact that there have been times in my life when I've made other people angry. <laughs> and I've been inconsiderate to them. And I have offended them. How many times in our life do we see these big things that people are doing and we forget that we've done the very same thing? And in, in the effort to correct it, we become the unmerciful servant. We forget what God has forgiven us. We forget the riches, the everlasting, great mercy of God. We forget that we can go to his throne and receive our mercy in times of help because we, we're going to grab that by the throat and we're going to take care of that. And when we do that, we have forgotten how much we're forgiven, right? We have forgotten the mercy of God. I think about that. And so for a moment, I want to ask you this question. Is there anybody right now in your life that you're kind of treating like that servant that needed mercy to? Are you acting like the unmerciful servant? It's a struggle, isn't it, at times? How are we supposed to do this? Now, you are quiet this morning, so... I know I'm right on tune. You know. Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Here's how God wanted that unmerciful servant to act. So let's talk about the unmerciful servant and not us. It's a lot easier. <laughs> how does God want that person who's not acting with mercy to act? He says, you're God's chosen one, purified and beloved of God himself. You're to be What? Merciful in action, kindly in heart, humble in mind. Accept life and be most patient and tolerant with one another. Always ready to forgive if you have a difference with anyone. Forgive as freely as the Lord has forgiven you. And above everything else, be truly loving, for love is the golden chain of all the virtues. That's what God wants. Do you see that? We are to love one another. We are to act in mercy be kind in heart, humble in mind, and forgive as how? As freely as the Lord has done what? Forgiven you. Now, it's a process, isn't it? That's not going to happen overnight, but we can always begin the process. And what he's telling us is that he blesses those who show mercy. And when you will start the process of showing mercy, he will bring greater mercy into your life. It's a very beautiful picture of what's taking place there. Now, notice in James chapter 2, verse 13. Here's the opposite. For he who has shown no mercy will have what? Judgment without mercy. Triumph without mercy. For mercy does what? Triumphs. It wins. It's victorious over judgment. Now, I've often thought about this, and you know it to be true. How we deal with harsh people and kind people. When a harsh person who's very hard on other people make a mistake and they begin to fall, what do we all do? We get out of their way. When someone treats is very harsh and very like a bully and they just kind of bowl their way through life and they don't care what they say or who they offend 
and they are that sort of bully. And when they begin to fall, we get out of their way. Because we want to what? Let them fall. When someone is kind, when someone is a great friend, when someone loves other people, and it's obvious that they do, and they begin to fall, we run to prop them up. We run to prop them up. See the difference? Are you with me? How many of you know that to be true? I mean, just think of school or life or the boss or somebody that was, has a real bully-type attitude and they begin to fall. We get out of way and we're going to watch it. Right? So in James it says, if you're going to go through life with a judgmental attitude, you're going to fall. But if you go through life showing mercy when you begin to fall, mercy's going to triumph. Mercy's going to triumph. And this is what we need to do. You see, it's a struggle, okay? Every one of us are thinking about something now. And if we're thinking about this, we're thinking what a struggle that is. And it is a struggle. You know what, what would be really not normal? What would be really not normal is to not struggle with this. To say, well, yeah, I've written that person off. I, I don't care anything about them. I'm not going to work anything out with them. I have, I have just signed up. I'm not having anything to do with them. That's a problem. See? Judgment over mercy. But when we struggle with it, when we're concerned about it, and how we're trying to overcome it, that's when God can work with us. And that's what we need to do. You know, in Luke chapter 10, here's another story. The expert in the law comes to Jesus and he's asking him this question about, you know, what's the law? What, what's the most important thing? And God, Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you remember that? To which then the expert comes back and says, well, then who's my neighbor? Who deserves that kind of love? Remember? And Jesus gives this story of the Good Samaritan. And in this story of the man that's beaten up and left, this Jewish man beaten up and left on the side of the road, we all expect that when the priest comes into the story that the priest would, at least out of obligation, help the man that's been beaten up. But the priest passed by, passes by on the other side. And then when the Levite comes, the expert in the law, you would expect at least out of obligation that the Levite would show some sort of help and care towards that man, Jewish man, who had been beaten up. But what does the Levite do? He walks by on the other side as if he never saw him. And so the one that you least expect to help, the one who shows the mercy, is the Samaritan who's the enemy of the Jew that's been beaten. The one that you at least expect it from takes care of his wounds, puts him on the donkey, takes him to an inn to stay there, pays for his expenses and tells the innkeeper, when I come back, if this man still owes you something, I will take care of the debt. And Jesus says, who do you think was the neighbor? To which now this expert in the law had to say, well, the one who shows mercy, right? The one who shows mercy. Now, when we read that story, every one of us think that we're the what? We're the good Samaritan. We're the good, I would have done exactly what the good Samaritan did. 
right? And when doing so, we kind of miss the point. I would hope that we would all be the good Samaritan. Amen? And we are to be the good Samaritan. But the point that's being here is that it involves, mercy involves more than saying bless you. Oh, look at you. It involves getting involved. It involves helping others. It's the blessing that's there, and it's not an obligation. That Samaritan did not do it out of obligation. He had no obligation to do it. In fact, the Levite and the priest who had the obligation to do it didn't even do it, right? The Samaritan did it because he was stirred in his heart to do the right thing, to do the right thing. And this is what God wants from us. He wants us to have not only right actions of mercy, but a right attitude towards mercy. Well, we have to look at Micah 6, verse 8, okay? Look at Micah 6, verse 8. What is it that the Lord requires? What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? Well, I want you to act justly, to, to love mercy, and to do what? Walk humbly with God. So I want you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Not just to show mercy, but to do what? Love doing mercy. Not just always acting justly, but looking for ways out of love to show mercy and walk humbly before the Lord. And that's why God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He calls upon us to be thankful to the Lord and to believe that the Holy Spirit can give us the patience and the love and the forbearance that we need to be a merciful person to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Because we have that assurance that if we show mercy, that he'll give us more mercy. Now, here's another verse, Proverbs eleven twenty-five. Those who refresh others will be what? Refresh themselves. Refresh themselves. When you show mercy and you refresh others, you get refreshed by it. That's what it's saying there. God's mercy is new every morning. That's why we need it for our fuel every day. And you need that mercy because if you're dealing with people who are hurting and wounded, you might get hurt and wounded yourself because wounded people wound other people. That's just part of it. Even the people that are trying to help them oftentimes. Well, those people oftentimes say hurtful things and do hurtful things that wound those who are trying to help them. And that's why we need God's mercy and grace to absorb some of those hurtful things and not take them personally. Well, we're trying to refresh others who need that refreshment. And that's what we need. Listen, God was able to bring birds to give food to Elijah when he was hungry and depressed. God was able to take a rock and bring water to the Israelites. God was able to bring manna from heaven to feed his people. I believe that God is able to do whatever it takes to refresh you as well. And we have to believe that and depend upon that. And that's why Paul said to many of the churches that he wrote, this brother has refreshed me. This brother has refreshed me. I have found refreshment in my relationships with you. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And the reason why we know that is when you go to Hebrews 2.17, it says that Jesus is our faithful and merciful high priest. Amen? 
faithful and merciful high priest. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So let me close with five quick questions for you to think about. So this whole idea, how do we bring this home? First of all, who is it in my life right now that needs my mercy? Who is it? Secondly, why is it so difficult for me to give them that mercy that they need? Why is it so difficult? Third, how do you think God would bless you if you showed mercy instead of judgment? How do you think God would bless that situation if you showed mercy more than judgment? Four, do you believe that your life would be refreshed and better by developing a loving, merciful action and attitude towards that person? Do you think God would bless you for developing a process of showing mercy towards that person? And five, in the two parables we discussed today of the unmerciful servant and the good Samaritan, which one are you more like today with that person? Which one are you more like today with that person? You see, I love God's Word because I, got, I believe that through God's Word it refreshes us and shows us His mercy to work through His Word. And I pray that the Scriptures that were used today in this lesson will refresh you, will encourage you, will bring you in touch with God's abundant, rich, everlasting, eternal, undeserved mercy that you can receive at His throne of grace. And I hope that will help you in that way.